1: Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Teen Wealth Radio. I hope you're having an okay Monday so far, if not a great one. Um, I know it's been a weird time in this world with COVID and there's so many things happening with politics and crypto and the world seems to be changing faster than ever. And sometimes it's nice to have you on here and slow down and listen to some great stories and meet some great people. And I think you will be very inspired by the woman that we have on our show today. Um, I know I am. <laughs> uh, Rosalind Salengui is a stage four tongue cancer survivor and she has just completed five years post-treatment, so something to celebrate and we are here to talk to her today about losing, about her battle uh, losing half of her tongue and going through chemo and radiation and what that meant for her life and her mental health. So Roz, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I really appreciate you coming here to share your story. How are you today?
2: Hello, thank you for having me. I am doing really, really well. Awesome.
1: I really appreciate you taking this hour out of your life to kind of share your story and talk to us. Uh, you have a pretty extraordinary story to share. Can you tell everyone just a little bit about who you are and what you're passionate about?
2: Um, my name is Rosam Selenvet. I am a spade for Talk to Hampshire Survivor. And after my journey, my real big passion right now in life is kind of helping other others in the same community as me have a voice when we were told that we wouldn't have one anymore. Thank you so much.
1: Um, so because most of our listeners are in their teens, can you tell everyone a little bit about pre-cancer life when you were a teenager, what you were like back then? Were you full of energy? Were you shy? Did you have big goals for your life? Did you ever think about, you know, what you wanted to do for a career? What would you like as a teen?
2: Oh, yeah. I was in choir all throughout high school. You uh, we were actually one of the in Canada, who was able to empty in California and run gold, so we were Canadian players as a teenager. Music and being on stage was my biggest passion. I wanted to be an on-stage, like, theater actress, but of course, my parents were like, that's not where the money is, so I had that as my little happy spot, and I was always that funny, happy, but lucky girl in high school that everyone wanted to be friends with, I was that chubby girl who, who uh, didn't like um, my athletics and I would find every excuse not to go to gym class, which is quite the opposite of who I am now, where health is not my main priority. But I was that typical girl in high school who was just friends with everyone. I wasn't the popular girl, but I wasn't the shy girl either, but I was just one that was friends with almost everyone.
1: And what was your family like? Did you grow up in Vancouver, Canada,
2: where we are right now? Where did you grow up and what was your family life like when you were younger? Uh, I was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. So I was born in research until I was 12 years old. Uh, My parents are first-generation immigrants from the Philippines. So I grew up in a very typical Filipino background, as you can say. We then immigrated. Sorry, not immigrated. We moved from Manitoba to Vancouver because my dad is a carpenter, so a lot of the woodwork came over here. And my mom was a seamstress, so uh, I had very blue-collar fam, uh, parents growing And I was always that, that child growing up where I had to become that you know first generation born Canadian person who made the family proud
1: love that and what were you like maybe after high school what did you travel the world Did you have uh, career plans university plans what were you like at that point in your life
2: man after high school uh, I actually took a year off of college so I spent seven months in the Philippines with my family I really bought to know my culture I really bought to really humble myself because we did come from a humble background Where my family grew up in the province so during those seven months, I got to experience doing laundry by hand. You know, going to the market was our free time. Going to play at the river was our free time. And it wasn't until after that where I decided to come back and I went into college thinking I was going to social work. Um, and my passion was to work with children. But at that point, um, when I was in college, I realized I had the the bug where I just wanted to work. Right. So I ended up becoming a worker and I worked my way up into a manager field career.
1: Awesome. And, and have you sorry, I, I really love talking about social work. Have you have you gone back to that a little bit or do you find that helps you with your management career? Or Is it something that you want to do more of in the future as well?
2: Well, now being a cancer survivor, I kind of find that it's drawing me back to somehow wanting to work in the community in some capacity. I don't really know if social work is going to be that capacity, but definitely something where I want to be in the hamster community, where I'm being a voice and kind of helping raise awareness for not just all hamsters, but specifically oral hamster. So uh, let's,
1: let's get to, Oral cancer. When did you find out that you had had been diagnosed?
2: I okay. in the spring of two thousand nineteen, I had bit my tongue at work, and I was trying to pass it off as a horrible immune system. I was working night shifts at my job, and where I had bit my tongue, it had developed into a sore. And, you know, typical went to the doctor after it became worrisome, and I was told the typical, you're too young to have cancer, this type of cancer isn't typically what women get who don't smoke and don't drink. So I actually wasn't officially diagnosed until October, so that following fall of 2019.
1: And... What 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 was that like? What was that moment when you found out that you had cancer? What was that like that that moment? How did you feel?
2: You know the funny thing is before they officially told me, I went as most people in my generation and referred to Doctor Google or Doctor YouTube, right? So in my head, I kind of had that feeling, but I, I was like, no, I'm just being paranoid. Yeah. But the moment. I was told I had cancer. They didn't even take a biopsy. He just immediately looked at it. And it was a dentist. And he, he, he sat me up and he was he spoke asking me questions about cancer history. And he said, I can tell you right now with other biopsy, with other adult, you have cancer. And I thought like I had hit with a bus. Like, you're 35 years old. You're at, you're at that age where you're spreading life. The but spare found me by that home, you know, all the typical things at that, that age, and you're hit with that mm-hmm. big C word. And before that, my entire life was like, I, not, not me, you know, never me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So I love that you use the word typical because I feel like I've, I've found out in my life through my, my years on this planet that I always think that there's something that's like typical and normal in the progression of things. And then, you know, you get a right hook 27 times that stirs you in another direction. Oh and I feel God. like <laughs> oral cancer is definitely one of those major right hooks. So do you feel like life is typical anymore? Or do you just live every day oh, for every day oh, now?
2: <laughs> I honestly, I expect, you know, like the one thing, the one line I had lived with, that the only thing in life that is constant is pain. And now, like, moving forward, that is one of my biggest models. Like, I will always, you know, hope for the best, prepare for the worst, but expect to just ride it with just positive vibes.
1: Yeah, I think there's a show that I've been watching lately, and I think one of the quotes that I've seen in it is if you want to make God laugh, make plans.
2: Oh my truth. Isn't that the truth? So <laughs> <I'm not> so. <sure. laughs> oh, so, okay. Sometimes so, I even so, so... up when he throws me a ball, and I will have to My oh, hey, I see you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good analogy. So,
1: So what happens when you find out you have oral cancer? Like, what what are the next things that happen, and how does your life change? I mean, it must change quite immediately with something like this.
2: Well, first of all, you, you try to grasp the fact that there's such a thing as oral cancer, right? Because, you know, everyone knows about the typical cancers that are being spoken about, breast cancer, prostate, leukemia, all of those. And then you're like, what? Tongue cancer? And then... You see your surgeon and they tell you you're probably going to lose a part of your tongue. And then most likely if they can't get good margins, we'll have to go through chemotherapy. So that's what happened. Uh, After my diagnosis in October, within two months, I had gone into surgery. Um, With the plan that I was only going to lose about 30% of my tongue and with the permission that if they had gone in and found that the cancer spread, that they can take more. So, inevitably, that's what happened. My five-hour plan surgery ended up becoming a 12-hour surgery. Um, I lost the entire left side of my tongue. And because we couldn't get good margins around the tumor, we did plan for chemotherapy and radiation.
1: And how, how, long, how long were you going through your treatment?
2: Uh, Two months. So chemotherapy would be once a week. Um, mm-hmm. but it would be it would last about four hours. Um mm-hmm. and then radiation would be every day Monday to Friday. It would be about ten to fifteen minutes each. That radiation was quite quick. However, the side effects of radiation were probably what would start off slow and gradually increase. So the treatment and the surgery plan was quite aggressive because we found out that my Hampshire was quite stubborn. But as everyone in my family knows, I'm pretty stubborn myself. So when the doctor said we might not be able to eat again, I was like, Bet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was so? What was the biggest thing that had to change for you after that moment? Were you like, were you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what to what to ask oh. about this because your whole
2: life changed in, in a very short amount of time, right? Your priorities completely changed. Oh yeah. Like when okay, so the goal was before I left the hospital was I had to have my first meal. And my plan the their plan was that I would be in the hospital for fourteen days. But I was like, I can't stay in here anymore. Let's get out this feeding tube. Let's take out this plate. I want my first meal. I wanna get out. And then when they served me my first meal, let me tell you, I was like, I've never eaten like this again. I'm going to find a way. My first meal was blended green peas, blended fish, and some sort of soup. And I was like, I have to eat that like this for the rest of my life? No, we're going to find a way. So I as soon as I was out of the hospital, before I started treatment, I knew I needed to adapt quickly. To so I had to find my new way of eating because of course I can't use my left side. So when I started to train myself to eat, you would see me kind of tilt with my head a little bit to the right so that the food can get in that area. And I had to use a lot of fluids to to get down Um tossing was very, very difficult in the beginning. There are certain words and letters I still can't pronounce. Um, but. You know, they brought the thesaurus because there's always different verbs can use.
1: Sorry, I keep muting so I can listen to your story. It takes me a <laughs> minute to come back. <laughs> um so the, the you, it's been five years since you finished your treatment. Uh, is that correct? Is that what you've you said yeah. before? It's
2: five years this April, this past it's April.
1: That's in, incredible. So so once your treatment was over, did did you have to keep going back for checkups all the time? Like, was your life still very much going back to the hospital and doctor visits, or were you immediately uh, able to start to move forward?
2: Well, after treatment was over, I I personally wanted to go back to work right away, where my oncologist was like, no, let's slow you down. So I had to take another two years off. Um and which I appreciate them making me do. I had to relearn how to eat and speak. Um, The most difficult thing for me was having to constantly go back to BC Cancer Agency because the area where my radiation was administered was basically my whole mouth and jaw area. So now my saliva production isn't the same, and when your saliva production isn't the same, your high transvein cavities becomes a lot higher, which means as someone who no longer has that same blood flow in the jaw, um, if I get a cavity, it can drastically quickly turn into a infection, which then can leave into the bone. So I, my dental hygiene and dental oral care has increased, where the normal person would have to go to a dentist twice a year. I would probably have to go every three to four months. Uh, I always have a dental oncologist and a dental surgery surgeon on hand in case I do have to face those encounters, which I did uh, back in 2019. So because I did increase my dental care, we had discovered that my jaw was going to develop osteomycosis where your bone is actually about to start to die. So we had to increase my visit because of that. But luckily we caught it early. So my next question to
1: you is, did people treat you differently while you were going through treatment and even after?
2: You know what? It wasn't, and who this is a difficult question, but it wasn't until I had to go back into society you know, when I was in my healing progress, I was surrounded by everyone at Busey Hamster who had, who had you know been who had met people who had in- encountered this. I had my friends around me and my family who was a hundred percent supportive and seeing what I had to go through from step one. And when I had gone back to work, I had started to really face discrimination that I never had to face before because now I've my battle on my face. I, my I have visible scars. I have a scar on my arm because they have to take a piece in my arm to rebuild my tongue. I also have an audible disability like when I answer the phone it's obvious that I have a bit of a speech impediment so it's not just me adjusting to to my new self but it's also me having to address with how the public and I have to say former friends treated me after this new disability. So I have a really good friend that I've been friends with since high school
1: and he got into a horrific car accident just at the end of high school and um, went through years and years of surgeries and it changed how he spoke, how he thought, how he looks and he was talking about he mentioned the same thing and so did his family member. So this is something I, if you don't mind, we have to go to a commercial break shortly, but if you yeah, don't mind, don't I'd mind love to chat a little bit more about it. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So um, can you remind everyone uh, and me what your uh, social media is so they can follow you just before we go to the break?
2: Uh, my Instagram is girlroz, G-I-R-L-R-O-Z. And my Facebook is just Rosalind
1: Awesome. And we'll have the links to that in the description on the bio as well for people to follow after the show. Everyone will be right back uh, after this commercial break with Rose.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up? Well, we can help. What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real. Real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out GlobalTeenWealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. You are tuned in to Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to brandy at globalteenwealth.com. That's brandy with an I at globalteenwealth.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Hi, everyone. We're back with Roz. Before the break, we were learning about her life as a teenager, her life going through uh, treatment for stage five oral cancer. And then we started talking about something that is really important that I think we need to talk about more and more is uh discrimination and being treated differently because you're a little bit different than other people around you and Roz is very much an open book as she said and i really appreciate that because i think we need to get rid of the fear and have more education for approaching people that may be a little different than us and actually having that that conversation and being really open and honest so Roz, thank you so much i really appreciate you chatting with us (laughs) so um if, if we have a teenager out there or a parent or a teacher, and they um, have a friend that gets diagnosed with cancer, you know, or, or is going through something where that, you know, it's a really difficult time, and it's a sensitive subject. And they're, you know, sometimes for teenagers, it's a difficult thing to approach a friend and ask, can you know, t- tell me what you're going through? How can I help? Do you have any advice for a young person if they have a friend or family member that's You know going through a difficult time like cancer and how they could maybe approach that person so that it's with love and not with fear
2: you know sometimes not saying anything says so much in itself so even if they're not ready to talk about it sometimes just sitting beside them in silence so they don't have to be alone in silence is good enough and just saying i'm here when we're ready Instead of asking that, what, what, can you, what can I do or what are you thinking? It's more like, I'm here when you're ready to release your pain. Like That's something anyone going through at is really invited to hear because when someone says, what are you going through? A lot of the times you're like, I don't know myself. I like
1: that answer. Thank you. Yeah, just sometimes having someone, and that, I think that goes the same for somebody that might be struggling with mental health. You never know if a friend's struggling with anxiety or depression. Sometimes yeah. they're not ready to talk about it, but just knowing there's someone there that cares, right?
2: Yeah, the biggest thing that that someone taught me to say to someone is, "What can I best do to support you?"
1: I love yeah. that. And I'm curious. Yeah. Did people ever say things to you that you were like, "Ugh, why did you say that?" You know, like were there ever the things like the pat on the head, like? oh, at least you've got
2: your... Or any oh, other kind yeah. of stuff? and that is one of the worst things you can say. You know, like, when um, they're like, oh, well, at least you should call it early, or, oh, I, I knew someone who died of cancer. Like, those are one of the most terrifying things you can say with a new diagnosis, or... Uh, one big thing you should never do is play comparison. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, you know... There's other people out there dying. Like at least you live in a uh, home free, but house care free because it doesn't lessen their trauma. If anything, it makes you feel it makes them feel guilty for having that trauma. Thank you for making that point. I think that's something,
1: and I think sometimes the 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 p- things that people say are because they don't know what to say so they kind of bumble and then they just say something like that thinking that it's going to make it better but they don't realize so sometimes your advice before about being in silence I think is the best advice on earth uh,
2: because then you can have more time to think about what you're going to say if you need to say anything. Absolutely. One of the best text messages I bought was uh I'm here dot 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 and that was it. I love that. Yeah
1: and and for careers, what is what are you what is your job or slash career right now that you're doing, and how has that been affected because you had cancer?
2: So I am my career is actually I'm a Hashino analyst. So all of that um, the fun that you guys see at Hashimoto happening with all the jambling and stuff, I'm the one in the back office who has to analyze all the paperwork that has to be. <laughs> reported to the government, but I'm also a bit of the front line where I do have to face a lot of the public. So I do have to face, with my new disability, I do have to face a lot of, um, I guess you would say, drunk patrons who do not really have a filter when they see something that isn't unknown So career-wise... I am at the point where I feel like I want to veer into more of the community aspect career and be a part of something that leaves more of a positive impact and kind of leave this former career of fun behind. (laughs) Love that.
1: Yeah, that's a good point about being with people that have been drinking. It's like a child. They don't have a filter because
2: they don't know yet certain things to say or questions to oh, ask.
0: So I don't
2: even have any filled in, but sometimes when I work, I feel like I had two dozen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I understand that. I, I was a bartender for quite some time. So wow, I right? <laughs> sometimes you like, just sit down and I'll get you some water. <laughs> So we've talked a little bit about,
1: you know, um, yes, your emotions change and everything when you're going through such a difficult time like this. What, how, how do you feel about the correlation between physical and mental health?
2: So specifically, with me and how I had to really, my mental health was very challenged. and Growing up, I was already kind of in that mindset that I, I knew who I, who I was I knew who I was going to be and I knew what my goals were. And then when I was diagnosed with cancer and having to overcome this physical disability and now be a part of a community that is discriminated against because of the community, that like your mental health really does take a huge effect because my entire life I wasn't prepared for this. And now I'm in this new realm where I have to accept who I am now as a person and not by my process. And now, who, is a, who I am as a person and have the world looks at, at me? And when you start to get judged by your battle wounds and your scars that really help save your life, your mental health starts to like, mess with you because you're like, oh my God, like, would it have just been easier if I just threw in the towel? Or, oh my gosh, like, are what these people say and actually right?" and the confidence I gained in myself through this difficult battle? Am I imagining this all in my head? And the one thing that had really helped me go through this was to actually look for help. And looking for that help is what brought me here today and why it's probably why I'm still here today. So who were you...
1: Were you the one that said, you know what I need? I, I, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to my friends. I need to talk yeah. to a, a counselor. Like, were you were you there? Or did somebody come to you and say, hey, you've gone through something really difficult. Would you like to talk? Like, I'm just curious.
2: Well, it, it, it even brought to a more difficult point than that. It was, I was bothering everything up. I was always that person that people went to for help, but never asked for help. So I was always that strong friend, you know, that people wanted and needed when they needed something. So it brought to the point where I reached the head, where I was coming home from work almost every night crying. And it brought to the point where my boyfriend, it was like one or two in the morning, and and my boyfriend was like, listen, I'm really worried about you. And I'm worried that you're going to hurt yourself, and there's nothing that can do to stop it we need to call you help and that time in the morning we actually pulled up the laptop and and called me the crisis hotline and i was on the phone with the service within minutes and they really helped me walk step by step through the panic attack i was having and and the irrational thoughts i was having in my head so it wasn't something i had recognized myself it wasn't until my partner of 10 years was like I can't help you at this point. I don't know what to do. We need to let you help.
1: That's so amazing that you had a partner that was able to, you know, really? have that strength to do that <laughs> because I know that's not
2: an easy yeah. thing. And he, he's a side type too, so he's usually the one to ask for help. And right. he always relied on me to be the strong one because I was always level-headed. And I'm a Leo, so mm-hmm. I always go head first, right? So the moment he saw that... I was breaking down, and the things I was able to handle before was trying to break me. He was like, I need to get her help.
1: And how has your relationship changed, if you don't mind me asking, because I know that's a loaded question, since that moment?
2: Okay. So in the beginning, I was like, pissed because I was like, why would I need help, right? and. Now that I'm a year into therapy, and I'm doing therapy and counseling, and I have also actually have an epidemiologist who has incorporated physical health with my mental well-being. And now that I'm a year into that, God bless him. Our relationship is so much better. I have stopped using him as a punching bag, (laughs) that's for sure. Um, I have been honestly able to communicate better, but also on the same end, I've been able to handle things that come at me with less emotion um, mm. and more level-headed. I was listening to a, a Joe Spencer podcast once, and there was a line he said where, a memory triggered without emotion is now considered wisdom. So <laughs> I like mm. to say that I'm a little bit more wise now than I was a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I,
1: I've, I've gone to therapy, I've gotten counseling, I've reached out to friends for help. I've called crisis lines, my, like for my personal self, I've just been like, you know what, I just need to talk to another human being that's not my friends or my family. I just think it's such a great thing that we have, you know, some resources. And and I think we, we can always improve on those resources. But it's, it's so funny how There's, we have this culture of shame when people say, Oh, do you need to talk to someone or do you need help or a counselor? I think everybody does, you know? I really think that every somebody at some point in their life is going to need to talk to somebody that doesn't know anything about them like not family, not friends, not a colleague, just a complete stranger.
2: And you know what's amazing about it is when you have a counselor or a therapist, you can, and I feel bad for them sometimes, I say this, but you can unload on them. So that you don't have to unload on your friends. And when you do have that time with your friends, and you do have that time with loved ones, you can actually enjoy that moment instead of holding on to those other thoughts that have been bothering you. I I like, I was that type of person who was like, I don't need a therapist, right? And now that I have one, I am baffled by how long I've been able to survive without one.
1: How do you know when you find the right one? Like, did you have to go
2: through a variety of different therapists who do yeah. different things? You know that Don't be afraid to change therapists. do me be afraid. I had one counselor, and I was like, nope, this isn't working for me. Uh, and then I daughter partnered up with another counselor, which was amazing. And it's honestly, it's just like when you vibe with a new friend you have to be able to be comfortable in telling them things that you are not even comfortable saying to yourself. Mm. Because there is that process in healing where you really need to confront those things that are difficult to say out loud. And that's where your therapist will tell you what you're feeling is normal, whereas your friends will just give you that look because they don't know how to grasp it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I just, I, yeah. I like talking about therapy and reaching out to people because
2: I think I think everyone's, you know, people are Me afraid too. to do that. And I think it's okay to talk to somebody. I love my therapist. I look forward to my therapist um, mediums on a weekly B- basis because it's not always bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, because you have a therapist, it doesn't mean you're talking about the heavy things. A lot of the times you're talking about the successes that you have just surpassed with your therapist, and be like, "Oh wow, like I can't believe six months ago I wasn't able to do that, and now here I am doing that plus more."
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And
2: and yeah, I mean, what's
1: the what's uh, yeah, what's the crisis line like when you call them? Like, is it is it something like were you were you nervous when you first called or? Were they were they just so like, hi, we, just tell me you tell me what you're struggling with today and I'll point you to the right person? Like, I just want to take right. away some of the fear if someone out there is thinking of calling because they need to talk to someone. How it's can we take away that fear?
2: Mess. You know, what? it's okay to be a mess. It's okay if it are calling the hot, hot, precious hotline and you're not composed. I mean, I was a mess when I called. I was like, you know that five-year-old kid who got scolded and put in the corner, and you're like, "Ah, ah," like, that kind of crime? Like, I was at that kind of crime, and when they greeted me on that crisis hotline, like, the first thing they did was help me breathe, and there was no judgment. And I was able to tell them everything, and, like, to be transparent, like suicide was a part of that conversation and it was even a part of my conversation with my therapist now and it's something that is difficult to admit that you have had that as an option but something so very important that the crisis hotline is so proper to deal with that you do not feel afraid to say it. Like they're that calm in your storm.
0: Yeah.
1: I love that. That's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, can I ask your self-esteem after cancer? Now, what is? where are you at with your self-worth and self-esteem? Do you still have days when you have you know, low points? uh, Or are you, you know, soaring high because you've overcome this incredible thing in your life? Like, I'm just curious, because I think everyone has ups and downs, no matter where they're at in life, no matter what they're financially or mental health wise, or, uh, you know, physical wise, your bank account, I think we all have these ups and down days. So where's your self worth at right now going through all of this difficult stuff?
2: And, my honestly, it is a roller coaster. Like, right? some days I have my amazing days where I'm like, look at me, like, I'm fitter than I was in high school, I like, can talk, I can eat. And other days I look in the mirror and I focus on my scars, or I hear myself talk, or I see an old video of myself before my speaking disability and I hear that, and that brings me down. And in honesty, like the moment I had made my, hem- my mental health a priority and I was given those tools to be able to deal with those hard days, it has been easier, but it's not going to be perfect, right? We're human. We are going to face people in society who are going to make us judge what we thought we were true in our conditions, But that's okay because as long as we know who we are, in the core, then that's going to be what we have to hold on to. You know how then they say people try to constantly convince you that this eye is purple, this eye is purple, but you know it's blue. Yeah. You have to be strong in those convictions that you know who you are, no matter how people are going to judge you, because those convictions are going to get you back up after those lows. And,
1: and I, I like that you talked about convictions. What are what are your values currently in this world and in this life? What
2: do, what do you value more than anything else? Honestly, my alone time. Isn't that weird? Like, with COVID having to force us to isolate, I really, really value my alone time. I mean, there, it's scary to be alone, but the amount you get to learn about yourself that you never even knew... Until you have to force yourself to be alone is something I value. Because now that I know who I am on my own, what I bring when I'm with other people is almost more value to them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely, completely, one hundred and ten percent value
2: my alone time too. So I get you. (laughs) Like, when I was at that fundraiser the other week, I was the first time in front of cabs, speaking in front of people, and it was really, really good to finally see people after these last two years, but the moment I got home, it was like this big sigh of relief, and it was like, I, I did what I needed to do while I was out there, and now I get to come back and do what I need to do for me while I'm in here. Thank you so much. We do have to go to another commercial
1: break shortly. But after the break, I really want to talk to you about the importance of community, your social media, fundraising, and your blog, Cancer Saved My Life. So we'll be right back uh, in just a minute after these messages, everyone.
0: stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com hey you yeah you are you tired of people asking you what you want to be when you grow up well we can help What if we gave you the money to start your own business? All you have to do is join the Teen Wealth Club. Even if you have no idea what you want to do, we can help you have the life of your dreams and play by your own rules. We are real, real people who believe that your life can be whatever you want it to be. And we know it works because we have hundreds of other teens just like you who are doing it right now. Check out globalteenwealth.org and start the life of your dreams today. Don't forget to mention Teen Wealth Radio, and we'll send you a free gift when you join. Or you can call us at 1-855-866-TEEN. That's 1-855-866-8336. GlobalTeenWealth.org. We're here to get you started on your future. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Tuned into Teen Wealth Radio. To join in the conversation, send an email to Brandy at global teenwealth.com. That's Brandy with an i at global teenwealth.com. Now, back to this week's show.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We are still here with the fabulous Roz, learning a lot, loving her, you know, honesty with everything that she's gone through and is still going through in her life. And I just appreciate having her on the show. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the importance of community in your life uh, forever and and now. Tell me a little bit about community for you.
2: I find that you cannot succeed. Well, okay, let me put this in another way. You can succeed on your own, but you can accomplish more when you succeed together. So being part of the Hampton community now, it's really put me in a different, of so, just being there to like, you know, doing their part in the community where I help their fellow neighbor, but being really be in a part where you can make have bigger impact where people do not feel alone. Um, I feel like that's a really, really big part of the community that people tend to forget because in our generation we were kind of raised to the help for yourself. where now we're in situation where it's time that we just help for other people because you can accomplish so much more than your whole collective. I like that.
1: Um, and you said you have a Facebook group that you're a part of that's got a few thousand members. Is that correct? Of people that have overcome oral cancer?
2: I do. So I believe it was right when I ended uh, surgery, sometime between surgery and treatment, I have started a Facebook group called Head and Net Hamster Warriors and Survivors support society. Uh, we have over 2,000 members, about 2,300 all together, of, of head and neck cancer survivors from all over the world, but we connect. It is a safe spot where patients, and not just patients, but support people, can go there and ask each other questions and ask each ask other what they expected, what they've gone through, or situations where they can go a certain direction that was not brought up to them because, Different treatments are offered in different parts of the world, and we just come together so that we can understand that we're all going through and what to expect.
1: And part of the group, does it educate people about oral cancer, who generally gets it, how it can be prevented, things like that?
2: Um, well? The group is more for people who have already been diagnosed. Uh, mm-hmm. I do have a couple of members on there who do share their own articles. It's a very open community, so it's quite safe where people share their own articles. Uh, but typically, a lot of people know old Hampshire or head and net hamster to be more diagnosed for, pe- for men over the age of 50 or 60, heavy brimpers and smokers. But the more that you expect to get to know people in the group, you can see that a lot of the percentage is of the complete opposite. So what we had assumed in the past for having that cancer is not what it is today. Mm. And if, what, 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 do you have any advice for people
1: on how to check for signs for oral cancer and how to talk to your dentist about it and, and yes. any advice on prevention?
2: One, please make sure to do your dental hygiene visits on a regular basis. And see if they do follow the six steps of oral hamster screaming. Uh, if there isn't, uh, there's actually a website called sixstepsoforalhamster screaming I believe it is, and you can actually see how you can do your own at home Just Like when you do your um your breast hamster set, there's actually steps that you can do your own oral healthcare at home as well.
1: Awesome, I appreciate that. I know that's something scary. I mean, a lot of people don't like even going to the dentist just for a cleaning or a filling. It's like this fear, yeah. like spiders, that we irrationally have in this world. Yeah. I don't know why. That uh, was me. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> so going, sorry, going back to the group. There, you're is it, is it part of the group that you're doing fundraising for certain
2: things. Uh, No, actually, on my own, the the group itself is specifically just for patients and support people, so it's open for them. So it's a safe space that they can ask each other questions and get like uh, patient survivor stories, because you'll notice in the Hampshire community that those patient stories are really important to keep other patients motivated to keep going. Um, I actually do other work with the BC Hampshire foundation. Um, it had happened kind of ergonomically where I had first started my own team with uh with to comfort Hampshire. <laughs> I had then run into someone at one of the final events who whose friend had happened to get Old Hampshire. And then they had met me with a woman named Brenda Curry who was uh, who happened to be doing a Old Hampshire fundraiser for that year. So then we had and started doing work Bishop Foundation. So now I'm kind of on the Bishop Hampshire Foundation's roster if they ever need a patient speaker to speak for a few of their fundraising events.
1: Awesome, and you started a blog called Cancer Saved My Life. Can you tell me how you arrived
2: at that title? Oh, so, I don't know, like when I say it now, it still puts chills in my back. I used to be that type of person where my head was down I would work, 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 and try to achieve my goals, and I never looked up once to appreciate life, right? And it wasn't until I was diagnosed with cancer, and I was forced to slow down, I was forced to learn things that you learned as a baby, like learn how to speak and learn how to eat. I was forced to learn that again at 25. And when you're forced to learn that, it humbles you. Because you start to realize that the things that you found important in the past are no longer important now, and it really appreciate it really brought me to appreciate life more. So it saved my life because I learned how to appreciate it more. Whereas before, I probably would have gone to the age of retirement and not even look up once in the beauty of what life is, in all the hardships and all the good times.
1: Yeah. I, I really love your blog. I've read most of the things that you've put on there. And I, I love, what um, was know. it where you talked about, um, what's the Japanese art of repairing pottery, that one? Do you, uh, what's uh, the
2: name? P- so it's the art of putting something broken back together with gold because there's a beauty in, in finding the cracks the in all those hardships, right? And yes. I, I, I have to live by that because I literally wear stars on my face mm-hmm. and I have to find the beauty in that because that's who I am now. Right? And do you feel like that's the secret to
1: a happy life, is finding the beauty in the cracks?
2: Absolutely. You know what? You can go through the hardest, hardest times you can, but when you come out of the other end and you look back, no matter who was with you and who was in your pride, you can look back and be like, you know what? I did that. Mm. I did that. I could have given up and allowed these other people behind me to continue going without me, but I didn't. I kept going. And a lot of times people always say you always remember the bad times and Mm -hmm. you forget the good times. But a lot of times the reason why you remember the bad times is because of how you came out of it.
1: Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I love that.
2: So if you were to get an opportunity
1: to go back in time and talk to your 15 year old self, what would you say to them?
2: (sighs) You know, someone has asked me this before and it's always been the same answer. It's, everything will be okay like, hey, in the end. If it's not okay, hey, it's not the end. I love that. Yeah.
1: And if I gave you a million
2: dollars tomorrow, what
1: would you do with it?
2: What would I do with it? All oh, Honestly, I would donate a huge portion to the BC Hampshire Foundation. Mm. Uh, and either that or I would actually start my own foundation to kind of bring more awareness to Earl Hampshire because there isn't that much awareness out there. And it's one of the most debilitating hamsters there is where after you surpass the five years it's not over so mm-hmm. i feel like there's a lot of work that still needs to be done there
1: so how can people share this message besides things like this radio show how can we bring more awareness like how can your audience and myself for example help bring more awareness to all hamster mm-hmm. yeah like what what are what are we not doing that's talking about this is it something that's so difficult to talk about potentially like Mm-hmm. And because it's Isn't not like as it? common to have, and it's it's so debilitating, like you said. Do you feel like people are are more afraid to talk about it, or is there just not enough information out there?
2: Honestly, a lot of patients are actually more afraid to talk about it. How is it debilitating? Hamster. I mean, and and not to put any lower value on the other hamsters, it's easier to hide other diagnosis. Mm. whereas with all like unless you're wearing a mask every day, everywhere you go, and we don't speak to anyone. It's something that not a lot of people want the world to face with, because we do constantly to through changes. I think, oh, I think one important thing to really take away from this is to really, really keep up your physical health and dental health as much as you do everything else. Because I feel like dental health is one that always gets put on the back burner. Mm-hmm. right and people if I floss and brush my teeth, that's all I have to do but I, as much as I was that person back then too it's really really important to have that dental health a part of your regular health to as well
1: and what is what does the next five ten fifteen years of your life look for, look like for you do you have
2: have your goals changed from when you were younger uh, well, the goals to spread a family and buy a home has not changed. and um, mm-hmm. They have come with a, a little bit more bumps in the road because of cancer. But mm-hmm. when it comes to my future professional goals, they have, I feel, have made a 180. I feel like I was bumped up women who wanted to excel in the corporate world because that's where I was and that's where I wasn't selling. Whereas now, financially is not my focus anymore, whereas now it's more about what kind of impact can I leave behind and what kind of legacy can I leave behind so that people who are in situations like me aren't left behind. Because I I felt that pain and I empathize with that community now. So mm-hmm. that's where it came, that my focus has really to become on what I can do to make this world a better place. Mm.
1: I find that a lot of people that come on our radio show talk about leaving a legacy. If you had a specific legacy to leave behind, is there something that you want to share with us?
2: I honestly, my dream would be to open up this um, kind of Hampshire facility, facility that is Kind of a one place that patients can go and stay and heal during or after treatment. And um, currently, I know patients will always have to go home. But that's one thing I want. I want to be able to leave a space where Hampshire patients can go and heal, like not just mentally, but physically. Because when you're fighting for that physical health, you forget about that mental capacity that you spoke to diminish.
1: Thank you. And we have probably 30 seconds left, so I'm going to ask you the same question I've asked every guest for five years. If the whole world had to stop, listen to one message that you wanted
2: to share with the rest of
1: the world, what would it be?
2: 10% is what happens and 90% is what you make of it.
1: Thank you so much, Roz. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Please come back anytime. We really appreciate having you on. I'll make sure that all the links to follow you are uh, included with your bio as well. Um, Thank you, everyone. I hope you've really enjoyed listening to Roz's story and listening to her honesty and candidness about her life and some of the things she's gone through and some of the great messages that she's trying to share with us now. Um, Have a great week. Stay safe. Keep your mental health up. And like Roz said, if you ever need to call somebody, there's lots of great crisis lines out there and we've all needed help and therapy at some point. So stay strong, stay well, and uh, see you same time next week on Team Wealth Radio Live at 5 on Voice America. Thanks for joining us.
0: again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel for more information